This is Unpacking Design, a podcast to help designers of all kinds better themselves in career, business, and life. Join me, Michael Valley, and my co-host, Tim Ong, as we unpack the problems designers face every day. Welcome to Season 2 of Unpacking Design, Life Lessons to My Younger Self. Each episode this season is a raw and unfiltered dive into what we wish we knew years ago. Since we can't turn back the clocks for ourselves, we hope that these masterclass discussions will help you on your own journey. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Unpacking Design. You're listening to our 12-part series called Life Lessons to My Younger Self, where Tim and I each share six lessons we've learned in our lives and careers. Today, I'll be discussing an epic and engaging lesson to my younger self. Tim, you know that I love nerdy movies, TV shows, video games, superheroes, and everything pretty much in between. When I think of what it would be like to go on the same adventures as Luke Skywalker, Batman, or Jon Snow, I'm just filled with a sense of wonder, transporting my mind to my childhood when anything was possible. Heroic stories, though, aren't limited to these media. As humans, we've been telling each other stories about the heroes that inspire us for as long as stories have been told. For context, Wikipedia defines a hero as a real person or main fictional character who, in the face of danger, combats adversity through feats of ingenuity, courage, or strength. If I could teach my younger self an important lesson, it would be to become the hero of your own story. This lesson has a special place in the series for me because while it's not the last of the lessons I'll discuss with you, it's one that I learned the most recently of the six. And it starts with a... uh, a bit of research that I was doing into uh, a specific a specific academic. And the first mini lesson that I kind of want to break down here is the hero's journey can be your own, but you need to understand what it is first. So I think in order to have a good discussion about sort of a hero's journey and what it could mean and how we could relate it to somebody's life, I wanted to break down um, the research of Joseph Campbell who is an American professor of literature at Sarah Lawrence College, who worked in comparative mythology and comparative religion. He's famous for this series of books. He's, he wrote, I mean, he's since passed away, but he wrote about, I think it's something like 20 books on topics like this. And the one that is sort of referred to a lot is The Hero with a Thousand Faces, And in that book, it illustrates several uniting themes of hero stories that hold similar ideas of what a hero represents, despite vastly different cultures and beliefs. And Wikipedia goes on to say, Campbell offered examples of stories with similar themes, such as Krishna, Buddha, Apollonius, and Jesus. And the reason why I think it's important to kind of reference a work like his, is because he started to see these patterns, right? He started to see these traits of stories that are told throughout time, um, stories that have actually stood the test of time because of the similarities that they share. There's this process of a hero's journey. There's a there's an adventure. There's a, a sort of um, path that a hero can take that I think is very applicable to somebody else's life. And to break down kind of what that hero's journey looks like. If you think about it in a very broad sense, 
the process always results in some kind of transformation of consciousness. There is either a, a situation where a hero is tested physically or a hero is tested mentally. And without going into super depth of the entire process, I wanted to compare sort of this overall hero's journey to something that I think will be very familiar with the audience here. Campbell breaks down the similarities to, and camp for context, Campbell was alive and inspired in, in many ways, the story of star Wars and the first movie in that series, uh, Star Wars A New Hope, Episode 4. You can see this hero's journey play out. Luke Skywalker is sort of presented with a, a chance to go on an adventure, and he refuses to. He's then brought a sort of... Um, uh, a mentor kind of appears into his life to help him along... He ultimately does go on this journey, and there is a transformation that happens across that that path, across that adventure. He's able to make decisions in the moment that are not the ones he would have made at the beginning of his adventure, but he lets the process sort of play out. And ultimately, he is he departs, he's fulfilled, and becomes something different than what he was, and he returns transformed from that whole story. So I don't want to go through the entire saga of Star Wars. That's not really the point. But what has really sort of struck me as I started reading more of Campbell's work is that there are these there are these sort of um, expectation that we can just kind of go through our lives and not really know sort of what we're going to do, but we're just going to kind of find our way. And there's something about this hero's journey that resonates with me that gives you a little bit more of a framework to help you guide yourself through these moments in your life, whether that's looking for a career change or it's looking for um, love or relationships. And there are these ways that you can, um, start to emulate the hero's story uh, for yourself. So when you see yourself as the hero in your own story, you're no longer the bystander just kind of experiencing the story from the outside. You're the one in control of your destiny. And I feel like that has been sort of an important mini lesson for myself that I am in control of my own destiny. There are pieces like in Luke's life in Star Wars where things might be presented to him um, things might have been uh, shown to him in terms of uh, trying to get him to move one way or another. But ultimately, he was in control of his decisions. And I just like using this as a framework to kind of understand the ways that I can kind of apply this in my own life. So, Tim, I kind of wanted to open this up. And I know in many of our discussions, unfortunately, you've never seen Star Wars, which is okay. But I think after understanding a little bit more about the basics of a hero's journey, you start with the departure. There's some sort of fulfillment, transformation, and a return to uh, life, maybe not as somebody knew it. But there's some sort of return with a lot of other sort of experiences that are gained out of that. And then those can be taken into another adventure and, and so on. 
Um, after thinking about those basics of the hero's journey, do you see any part of that kind of framework in your own life? And would you consider that you are either the hero in your own journey or that you're in control of your own destiny? I think it's a great question here, especially the, the way that it's, it's phrased implies that it's an individualistic endeavor, that it's something for me to be a hero of my own story and to see it from that perspective. It's more about, am I the hero in a story where I'm saving myself? And when I, when I pose it in that way, I think in my life, I've always tried to be that hero by being able to identify issues that are happening in my life and resolving it in the ways that I think are true to me as a person. So if we think about it from a meta perspective, I've always thought about myself as being two people, not in a way where I'm schizophrenic, but more so in a way where I have two different minds. Everyone is, has a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. Both of them do things that help you progress through your life in a specific way. I like to think about myself from a third person when I'm reflecting, because whenever I reflect, and you know I do this at the end of every year, because you and I talk about it, and we do our own end-of-year planning. And for me, at that moment, I'm always reflecting on all the things I've done, thinking about the mistakes that I made, thinking about the things I could have done a little bit differently, and then I start applying that to my future. I also think about areas in my life where I'm stuck, if it's financial, if it's career-driven, if it's in my relationship, if it's something that I can identify, I'll pick it out and I'll let it be one of those big main buckets of my life that I want to focus on. If I find that it's an issue, to me, that's the moment where I can be a, a hero because I can now identify what needs saving and what I need to let go of. And that's the other part of the hero's journey that I don't know if we're going to get to later, but it's this idea of sacrifice, that every hero has to sacrifice something at some point. I don't watch a lot of hero stories from fiction, but I do watch a lot of documentaries where real life people have done heroic things. Whenever a heroic, happen, uh, a heroic action happens, I find that the hero is seen as a hero because they had to sacrifice something in that moment or they had to sacrifice something within their lifetime. For example, Michael Jordan might be seen as a hero as a basketball player because he was able to mentor so many people under him, like Kobe Bryant and others. And he was also the best player of all time. Through that, when you think about his life, the sacrifices he actually had to make to get to where he did were really big. And then when you think about firefighters and others that we consider heroes every day, you think about how at every moment that they're on the job, they're risking their life to save the life of others. When I think about myself in that way, it might not be as drastic where I'm losing my life. But when I think about the bigger issues that I need to change at the end of the year when I'm reflecting, I think about it so consciously because I know that subconsciously I've been considering it throughout that entire year. Some of these things might be big things that are impacting me emotionally, so mental burnout, things like that, that I think people go through as they're working in a job where they don't feel like they're growing and other things like that, just like you were talking about in the burnout episode. And if you're going through that, that's a, a good moment for you to identify it at the end of the year or whenever throughout your year when you're reflecting 
and pull it out of that subconscious space and think about how you can actively work to fix it. And by doing that, you become a hero in your story because now you're identifying new paths that will get you away from the things that are harming you or from the things that are taking you down. And you're finding a way of building yourself up so that you can do better. And once you're doing better, that's the moment where you can now become a guider for somebody else and helping them get to a point in their career and in their life like you did. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. There's a lot of um, great points that you made that I kind of want to break down a little bit more. So I think one of the things that I've seen a lot in trying to compare this here, the idea of Campbell's uh, heroic journey or the, the journey of the hero and sort of paralleling that with either somebody's life or so how, how can you, the biggest question I had when I was putting this together, Tim, today was how could you literally take this hero, this idea of a hero's journey and apply it practically to somebody's life? And I think that there is a sacrifice that's made and it wasn't necessarily one of the direct mini lessons that I want to talk about today, but I think it's an important point because I think there's a difference between haphazardly sacrificing part of yourself for something and knowing what to sacrifice and when deliberately. And that, that, that kind of comes with this adventure that you put yourself on, you put yourself on this path. And for an example, you mentioned uh, the burnout episode a little bit. And if you go back to that, for me, I was sacrificing a part of myself that now that I've gotten it back, I don't think I would sacrifice that part again, you know, and that's something that I had to go on that journey that to transform that mindset so that that is sort of a permanent part of who I am moving forward. And I think that that for me, as part of the hero's journey, you know, there's, there's not always this opportunity to deliberately incorporate the hero's journey into my life. It's not like I could have just said, okay, well, I'm going to already know going into my adult years that burnout's a thing and I'm just going to avoid it forever. And it's just not going to be a thing for me and I'll just wish it away. You know, like there are certain things that just kind of come into your life. Life throws you a curveball here or there, or you might not even recognize that you're on a, a bad path or something like that, but you can use these as moments to transformation is kind of the word that kept coming up in my mind as I thought about this process and how this cycle could apply to somebody else. So and for me, actually that burnout is a good example of uh, a kind of heroic cycle that I went through. You know, I, I had gone down this path, I sacrificed a portion of my health and a portion of my, um, both physically and mentally and my, my health with my relationships. And I came through it knowing that I, there were things that I needed to change. Um, I had sacrificed that for the intent of doing good work, um, doing a lot of creative things, helping other people, but it was at the expense of myself. And I came through that on the other end, having this transformed mindset where I could then take that knowledge and go into some other phase or another cycle of some other kind. Um, I think that the, so you, you also brought up as an example, Michael Jordan, which I thought was a really great one because there are those people in life 
like sports figures or you even brought up firefighters or first responders, which I thought was another good sort of example where people who are either pushing themselves to the limits physically or pushing themselves to really, they're not necessarily sacrificing um, you know, hopefully they don't have to sacrifice. It's just more of a choice that they are willing to make that sacrifice if they need to. Right. And I think that there are a lot of examples in real life where if I could take the courage, I don't have that inherent courage to run into a burning building. Right. I don't naturally, that's not part of who Mike Lavalley is, but I do think that there are ways in which if you are trying to better yourself or put yourself on your own journey, that you can take that idea of, can I just be courageous in this moment? Can I be courageous for 10 minutes or an hour and get through a, uh, a speech? Or can I get through an interview? Can I get through a negotiation process? Can I do something that puts me into a challenging position and then I'm not afraid of that thing anymore. So when I think about all these things that we're talking about and we'll get, we'll break these down even more as we go forward. Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking about is how do we take this idea of being the hero, having control of your own destiny, knowing that you may not be able to control all these outside forces, but you are able to make the choices on how, which path you take, whether it's, you know, for lack of a better term for Star Wars, are you going down the light side or the dark side? Or, you know, are you, which, which path are you choosing for yourself? And before we move on, I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to talk about. No, I, I think that was some really good points. So we can move on. All right. So let's talk about the second mini lesson today. And it's that experiences will provide us with paths adventures and choices across the course of our lives. So what I would tell my younger self is that someone as a human being evolves throughout their life, taking on new adventures and roles. You learn lessons and either make the changes that, you're, that you need to or you don't. Somebody could decide to be very active physically in their life or they could decide not to. And they could... Uh, push for a promotion or maybe they don't, they could try to better themselves academically or not. Um, time will push around you and you will inevitably become a different person, a different version of yourself though. Time will just keep going. It's unrelentless. It's, or it's relentless. It will just keep moving and you choose who you will be through action and inaction. And I think both are actually a decision that you get to make. You get to be an active participant in your life, or you can decide to not be active at all. Um, sometimes you may reject a path only to come back to it later. And I think that that's also an interesting thing that has kind of happened to me in my life, Tim, where there have been moments when something just isn't quite right at one point in my life, but then it becomes sort of, exactly what I want to do later. And uh, a good example of that has been when we started this kind of journey sort of in parallel a couple of years ago, and we were starting blogs and creating things on the internet. I really hesitated because I thought that I wanted to do 
I actually had considered doing something that was just sort of my own branding, my own Mike Lavalley kind of face on the internet. And at the time, it didn't feel like it was right because I needed some kind of almost, um, I feel like looking back, I needed some kind of like protective shield in front of me. So I created Evolving Architect instead. And it became a blog for emerging professionals, young architects. It was a, a great sort of step in my my journey here. But I think ultimately it was the right decision in that moment. Whereas now, later in my life, and after having some of these heroic adventures that I've been on, it's not the right decision anymore. It's not the right thing to keep going with. And now I'm moving into a different phase of my life where I'm transitioning and more confident to transition to a personally branded kind of way of being on the internet and letting people know that it's, you know, it's just my voice and it's me talking about things that I'm interested in or think might help people. It's still the same intent behind it, but it's a different way of seeing kind of uh, the world. And I think that there are paths and things and choices that kind of come across our life that, you know, get presented and represented to us. So, Tim, I think and I believe that choice has a lot to do with who we become in our lives. Have you ever rejected a path that was presented to you in your life only to find yourself taking that journey later? For me, it was definitely being recorded. That's both on audio and on video. And before I jump into that, I just wanted to mention that the this idea about becoming a hero of your own journey and the experiences that you have, the adventures you go on, the choices that we make, all of this relates back to this idea of building a habit. Because even the heroes that you admire, like if you think about Superman, Superwoman, you think about all of these uh, comic book characters, you start to see that from an early stage in their life or at one point in their life when something happened, they started building a habit of trying to save someone. And from the opposite side too, the people that we would depict as criminals, they are the ones who started to develop habits that were negative in society's opinions. And these two people had a position that they believed in so strongly, so they butted heads. We see it all the time in politics. We see it all the time between um, wars between countries. And what it really comes down to is this idea of history and building habits where you really got to a point where those habits started to guide the choices you start to make every day. So that when a heroic opportunity comes up, it's not because you saw it and seized it. It's because you were already putting in the reps to making it happen. And when it arises, it's not about being conscious enough to know that this is the moment to be a hero in your journey. It's more that you've already been taking the steps that you'll do it with muscle memory. It's something that you've been teaching yourself how to do. So with that, for me, it was definitely being recorded and that relates to both speaking audio version like this podcast, speaking on an app like Clubhouse, and then the other one was uh, being filmed. So being on YouTube, taking photos of myself. I never really liked taking selfies and I still don't like taking selfies. So for me, those were opportunities that I've had through my life and career opportunities to speak, opportunities to be on a podcast with you, opportunities to film myself and be on YouTube. 
all of these things were things that I was so afraid of that I never wanted to do. And it was because I had never done it before. It wasn't even that I rejected it. It was more that it was something I just innately thought it wasn't for me. And I didn't give it a chance. And as it kept coming up, like this podcast, when you and I kept talking about it and talking about it, eventually I said, you know what? It's worth trying it. And the same thing happened with YouTubing. I remember you and I were talking about starting a YouTube channel because I kept mentioning it to you. And it took me like three or four years to finally do it. And when I did it, I had no idea what I was doing. And I could have either quit right away or I could have jumped further into it. And I jumped further into it because I started to see it as a game. It was a, a skill set I never had. But in my body, I felt as if uh, if I learned how to edit videos and share a story through video that I could then get to a point in my life and career where those skills will help me in a lot of ways. And that in and of itself turned it into this gamification idea where everything that I'm doing now is about just bettering myself. It's about gaining experience through the reps. And that's where the habit building came in. I started building habits for filming because I started to see how impactful and how much content you can get if you get really good at speech, if you get really good at filming, and if you get really good at storytelling. Now that I'm seeing this and I'm seeing the kind of future that I want to have, I can see how it relates to my longer term journey. So making that leap, taking that first step, and actually starting the recording process has changed a lot of the things that I'm doing now. And also provided so much more opportunity to meet not only people like you, Mike, but others like Chris Doe, Matthew and Cena, Becky from Becky and Chris on YouTube, all these people that I never thought I'd be able to speak with and hang out with and chat with. I'm now in a circle where I can do that. And in the past, I would have never been able to unmute my mic to say something. But today I unmute my mic and I say something and I can lead discussions with all of them. So it took all of those steps to become that hero. And I remember in the beginning, having to unmute my mic and say something or ask a question, even if it was my talk and I was the one interviewing someone else, it was so hard for me to unmute my mic to say something. Whereas now I see it totally differently because I'm so used to unmuting the mic, saying what I need to say and getting a point across and guiding the discussion and making sure that in that moment, I'm present with the other people. So it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of reps. And going back to the question, I, I did reject the whole idea of being recorded, but now I lean into it really, really hard. Yeah, that's great. I, I like the, the, the two different major points that you brought up, which uh, I'll break them down here a little bit and we can discuss them a little bit more. The first one was this idea that heroes and villains kind of have tendencies towards one path or another, and they essentially create habits for themselves to reinforce those things. And over time, they'll keep going down one path or another. And for you, it seemed like you were, you were building habits to build skills or to better yourself. And I think that that's one really great way to kind of think about it. Like you are in the driver's seat, right? Like you are, each of us has 
a given set of, I think, inherent values at any point in our life. Like we are, whether we go down the the nature path or the nurture path, I guess we could debate that for a while, um, depending on who, who you are and, and what you believe. But for me, I think it's kind of a combination of both where, Tim, I know you grew up in a completely different way than I did. Um, but I think that inherently you possess some of the same values that I do. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we resonate with each other well. Um, you know, the values of uh, helping people and, um, you know, caring about other people and trying to better the world through whether it's design or creating or things like that. Like those are inherent to us as people, right? And we create skills and we we foster habits that sort of help us realize those values more. And I think that kind of goes back to this idea of heroes and villains and, and uh, sort of this, this hero's journey is I think that in a lot of ways, um, the hero's story of say like a Luke Skywalker, who is inherently this very good person, uh, a very uh, naive person at the beginning of his story he ultimately does things through his journey, especially in the the first series of films where he's protecting his friends. He's trying to save the people he loves from danger. And I think that you can see those sort of tendencies very early on in his character. He's very, he's very caring in, in that way. And very um, again, maybe naive when he starts the journey, but, by putting through those reps, by going on those adventures, by transforming his mindset and learning more about the world, he begins to uh, become a different version of Luke Skywalker as the films go on. But he's always aware of kind of what his inherent values are. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, but maybe I'm just trying to bring in maybe another example of sort of a, a hero from mythology. The other thing that I was thinking about as you were talking was this idea of characters who I see in mythology who have tendencies towards one direction or another, but they have this inciting moment that really pushes them over the edge. And I don't know if this is reference is going to be lost on you or not, Tim, um, because it might be a deep cut, but I'm going to go there. There's a character in Batman uh, named Harvey Dent, and he's been in some movies, so you might know who he is, but essentially he is a lawyer in Gotham City who is kind of kind of a hothead, but he's ultimately a good person, right? But, all, but then later in his story, depending on which mythology you go through, he's either in an explosion or acids thrown on his face. He becomes Two-Face, the villain Two-Face in Batman mythology. And he transforms from this person of uh, ultimately being a lawyer who's trying to protect Gotham and its and its people, and he turns into one of the most heinous villains in all of Gotham lore, right? And he uh, is a very powerful adversary for Batman. I think of this as kind of these going back to this theme of choices as you can create these habits that are good and you can create these habits that are bad. And sometimes there's even an inciting moment in your life where you can choose to lean into it or you can choose to avoid it. And I think for say Batman, where 
he was having a great life as a kid and he had this inciting moment where his parents were killed. He took that and ran with it in a different direction where he became the hero of his story and ultimately, you know, becomes Batman to save the, the people of Gotham from injustice. Right. Whereas Harvey, who is kind of cut from a similar cloth, something happens to him. And rather than kind of coming back from it in a positive way, he ends up becoming this villain that reigns terror on, on Gotham. And it just, it makes me think of these moments where we might be faced with a choice that is not a very poignant and very specific one that will lead us on uh, one path or another. And I don't know if I'd necessarily have had, um, honestly, fortunately in my life, I don't think I've had such a dramatic moment like that where I've been faced with a choice that was, such a game changer for me, but I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more or not, or if you want to move on, but it's just, it struck me as you were talking that there are also these choices that are given to us sometimes in life, whether it's the death of a family member or an illness that happens or, you know, something that is almost like a force majeure, like a, you know, like a, something that happens from like completely out of our control that, that we need to deal with, but it will, depending on which path we take, will be, you know, completely different in either way. You know, I never really thought about it in that perspective, but when I think back to my past, there was a defining moment. I had two, but the the one that I, that I'll share is is one that really was a moment where I had to think about my life and the choices I was about to make. And how I wanted to live my future. It was one that was completely out of my control. And it was one that I, I've never been afraid to share the story. I've actually shared the story a lot of times. I just never really thought that it was a story people would be interested in hearing. And for me, it was this, this moment of my past where I used to be in high school. I was this, this person who didn't really care about anything in my life. I was just kind of going out and having as much fun as I could. I loved riding my bike. I loved hanging out with my friends and just being a kid. And at that time, I remember a guidance counselor reached out to me and said, hey, there's a program called ACE Mentor Program for uh, New York City. And it's for high school students to join forces with architects, construction managers, engineers, and others. And what you do is you get mentored by all of them and you work toward a project for a year. And I was like, oh, this sounds so cool because I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. All I knew was after high school, I was going to work a job. I didn't know what job it was going to be. And so I went through this program and I finally realized I wanted to become an architect because I designed a building. I won a scholarship. I got into college and I was so excited about it. And I remember growing up in this really bad neighborhood, taking the train home one day. And it was, it always took like an hour or an hour and a half to get from my high school back home because all the high schools in my neighborhood were terrible except for one or two. And so the high school I got into was specialized and it was actually funded by uh, people with a lot of money. So they had resources and I got in, I was one of like five people from the Bronx in New York city who got into it. And it was a place in lower Manhattan and it was in, in a skyscraper. So I hung out with some friends after school. And I got home pretty late at night. It's like 8.30 or 9. It was dark out. It was cold. And I remember walking past a group of people. 
And I was like, oh, I've never seen all these people before. Well, that's fine. And I had my music on. I was listening to my iPod. At the time, iPods were the thing. And I was almost home. And I remember I just felt this feeling of like being followed. And I was like, what's, what's happening? You know, like, why do I feel this eerie feeling? And I just kept walking and walking and walking. I finally get directly in front of my house where the steps of my house lead to the door. And I remember at that time, someone running in front of me. So I turn around to see what's going on. And there were so many people who followed me. And the first thing I remember is a guy jumping off of his bike where he was like going at full speed and he sucker punched my right eye directly on the eyeball. And the moment it happened, I knew something was wrong. So I fell to the ground because that's all you could do in that moment. And I remember just being attacked and I didn't know by who, I didn't know how many people. And fortunately, my neighbor ran out of his house because he saw the commotion. And my family looked out the window and saw what was happening. And my father ran out of the house and he had this machete. And I know he was going to kill everyone out there. And all these people ran away and he's chasing them barefoot on concrete with glass and all that on, on the floor because it was never cleaned. And he chased them for blocks. And I remember laying there and I was like, you know, my whole life, I've been this person who just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was always lost. I never knew what a future could be for me. This moment was what should have played out in a neighborhood like mine for a person like me. That's all I could think at the time that it was supposed to happen. It was a matter of when. And for me, it was that night because this isn't an uncommon story for people from a neighborhood like that. It's not a story that's just in the Bronx in New York City. It's in Compton, it's in Brooklyn, it's in Queens, it's in Buffalo, it's in all those cities that you could think of. It's in Detroit, it's in Chicago. Everyone has that neighborhood where you know something's supposed to happen to you like this. It's a matter of when. And so after that moment, I remember laying in the hospital and I was like, okay, I never expected this to be part of my journey. I never expected that I would find my love for a field that requires your vision so that you can draw. I never thought I'd be at a moment where I would have to consider not going to school after figuring out that I found a thing I could do with scholarships to support me to do it. And I I remember laying there looking at all these doctors in in the trauma room and all of them looked at me. They all flashed the light in my eye. And there, one of them finally came to me. It was the head doctor. And he was like, if you ever see something that looks like a curtain closing, it means you've lost all the vision in your eye. And that was it. He was very blunt. He was <laughs> I just, I appreciated it. But at the time I was like, oh, okay. You know, I, I guess I'll wait and see, you know, but at the time, I guess when you're in a traumatic event like that, you don't really have an emotional response because so much just happened that it doesn't seem real. And I remember laying there like, oh my God, all 17 doctors confirmed that, that assessment. Fortunately, the curtain never closed. And then I started suffering from what they call, I call it double vision, but it's where things split into two. Everything I look at, every line, it splits into two. And I was like, how am I going to draw if I can't even see one line? I don't even know how to draw that well. And then I get out of the hospital and I go through all of this, this treatment. I taught myself how to play table tennis because I thought it would help me build muscle in my eye. And it did. So my eyeball was pushed back up because the muscle built so much from getting good at playing table tennis and tracking the ball 
then my eye went back to where it should have been. And after that moment, time became the most important thing to me. Because at that time, I could have died. And I know all my family members, all my friends who surrounded my bed, they all were thinking the same thing. It could have been that night that I wouldn't have been around. And to me, that was the moment when I realized that time is the most finite thing. Everyone's time on this world, in this planet, is different. And if you don't start to seize the opportunities that you have, then you're going to regret it at the end. And by seizing the opportunities, it means all the places in your life that you truly care about, the relationships you have, the people you care about, the career you want, the job you want, the things you want to create and share. Everyone's always holding themselves back. But if you knew that your time was coming, I'm sure you would think about it differently. And you would say, why don't I post this on Instagram? It doesn't matter if people see you as an imposter anymore because you only have a few days to do something. And if you truly love it, then it doesn't matter if you're an imposter. And then all these things that people go through just simply fade away. And I think for me, that's the, uh, that's the, the biggest point that I wanted to get across that when you think about the journey you're on and you think about how something can happen to you or someone around you that impacts your life so much, it's in that moment when you get decisions to make because now it was such a big moment, a big impact that the decisions you make from that moment onward are the biggest habits you'll ever build for the rest of your life. Wow. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Tim. I think that that's a a mini lesson in of itself in terms of thinking about when there are these inciting moments that can kind of happen to us that change, you know, who we are forever. Like I would imagine that that moment had an impact on, and you kind of described it as your appreciation of time, had a, a definitive change, at least on your mindset of how you approached things. And I appreciate you sort of sharing that because I think that that's, that's going to help a lot of people. Um, I think about how we are sort of presented with these choices and, and how they can kind of you know, some of them seem small, some of them seem large, but I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Billie Eilish, the the singer, um, but I saw her uh, in a just in passing in an interview the other day, and she said something to the effect of, um, and this is paraphrasing from my memory, so forgive me if this isn't accurate, but she said something to the effect of she is actually like there's something about the fact that even somebody as famous as her right now, her fame ultimately will kind of dissipate in the memory of the consciousness of society. Like eventually she won't be, regardless of how good of something she does or how bad of something she does, it won't be remembered at some point. Like at some point people will forget that she did something or it possibly even existed as a person. And that that gives her some kind of, it gives her power over her own uh, destiny and her choices and allows her to kind of 
uh, I thought it was a, a salient point because it allows her to be herself in the moment and just go through her life living it the way that she wants to so that she can make the choices for herself as she moves forward without this idea of, okay, well, you know, I could make a horrible album, but who cares? I could make a great album that lives on for another 20 years, but you know, who cares in a thousand, it won't matter, you know? And there are things that I think can affect us and help us grow. Like I, I would imagine, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe you can respond to this is, you know, that moment was a growing moment for you where you were able to take that experience and then use it for something else in your life or you know, towards something else in your life. I think the it's an accurate statement. It's, it's broad enough that for me, when I think about what you said, it makes me immediately think that the biggest lesson I learned from it that I apply all the time is empathy. I used to be so bad at empathizing with people because I always thought, well, if I could push myself so hard, why can't they? Or if I could do this, why can't they? Whereas now, when I hear people sharing stories, when, when I hear people who are having this mental block. It's not about making suggestions anymore. It's about asking questions. And I, the reason why I mention that is because most people don't ever, ever think about the fact that we're all so quick to judge. We're also quick to make a statement and to say something, to try and give advice to help someone without first digging deeper and asking questions to figure out what it is they actually are thinking, what it is they actually want from you, and what it is that they want to talk about. And the reason why I bring that up is when I was laying in a hospital bed, I remember people coming in and talking to me, and there were only a handful of people who didn't come in and say, so, so this was the common thing people said. They would say, oh, man. I'm so sorry for you. If, if I catch one of those kids, I'm going to do this. If I catch one of those guys, I'm going to do that. And it was all this stuff to try and make you feel like there were protectors around you and all that. But only a handful of people were able to do this. And interestingly enough, they were women. It was all the women who came in to surround me, my mother and others who were allowed into the trauma room. And I remember that they stood there. And the first thing they asked was, how are you feeling? What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about what happened? And in that moment, I felt that connection to them because they weren't there to give me advice that they never actually thought about. They were there to ask the right questions and then to lead into something more. And so that moment taught me so much. It taught me to slow down in the ways that I'm interacting with people so that I can truly understand them and build an everlasting relationship. But the other part of it was that it's going to take time to get back on my feet. And everyone is always rushing towards something, but no one really knows what that thing is. But if you take enough time to figure out what it is, then you can set out on that hero's journey and start building really great habits because now you're working towards something you're not working towards a blurry vision. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And actually, uh, serendipitously uh, flows very nicely into my next mini lesson, which is an adventure implies an end. But I think that a hero's journey transforms from one phase to another. So if you think about... Think about even going back to the analogy of Star Wars... 
there is the first movie or I guess episode four. So it's technically the quote unquote fourth movie, but it's the movie that started the whole universe. Right. And there is a beginning, middle and end to that journey. And then there is another journey that they go on in the next movie. And then there's another journey that they go on in the next movie. And there are these transformational moments that happen across each mini adventure. Right. And each adventure as we've kind of been hinting at throughout here, there's the biggest adventure, which is your entire life. But I think that there's also the hero's journey, which is this series of mini quests or adventures or however you want to describe it that you go on that you can either passively participate in, or you can, as you just kind of hinted at Tim actively engage in and try to build habits towards something specific. So I think of examples that we can kind of break down or talk about. If you think about like the big four or five factors in somebody's life, a career, seeking a new job might be an adventure, financially getting out of a of debt or trying to build wealth in your life, for love, finding a partner that you want to share your life with or making new friends or making um, good friends and, and better relationships. Fitness, you could have the adventure of trying to run a 5K or a marathon or just getting to some sort of fitness level that you want to be at, uh, taking care of yourself, community, building. I think of um, I think of the time that I spent with Habitat for Humanity as, as one thing in building a community and literally building houses for people in need or um, – or participating in a community like the uh, the Buffalo Game Space, which is a uh, community in Buffalo for game developers to kind of come around and share how they create video games. And that's something that I've also participated in. So we've talked a little bit about some of these adventures that we've been on and some of these things that we've uh, sort of done for ourselves, Tim, but... <clears throat> Is there another example that you can think of, maybe one that's more concise or something that's goal-oriented that you believe helped transform you? And did that transformation push you directly into something else? Or um, was it, did it kind of end there and you moved on to something completely different? And what were you able to do after it ended that you couldn't before? And if you can't um, think of something off the top of your head, I could go into something else as well. This one is a, an interesting one because I, I actually just finished that adventure. So before the pandemic, I was traveling a lot in New York City. And I was traveling there for a project that I was working on. So I was living there for eight months to a year. And I was in a hotel in a very financially wealthy area. And I had this credit card from the company and we had limits to the meals we could eat. But most of the time, it was just eat whatever you want, go wherever you want, eat at whatever restaurant. Anyway, I knew what our maximums were for the daily per diems. And that's just, it just means for those of you who don't know that you can get reimbursed for what you buy. I think my limit was like $45 for a dinner. So I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Eventually I learned how to, ga how to gamify the system to get as much food from a local place that was decent food like sushi and other things and figure out the best time to go to get the end of the day deals to then maximize the quantity of food I could get. And I remember writing a goal down that my fiance thought was a fascinating one. She actually did, did it too, because it was a great one to her. I wanted to help at least 10 people that year. I left help as an open-ended goal, but I wanted to help people. During that time that I was traveling, it was hard for me to help the people in my local neighborhood because I wasn't there. 
it was only the area around me that I could think of to help someone physically. And I remember every night walking back to my hotel, seeing so many homeless people. And so I decided that I would start donating the food that I buy, hot meals and all of that to those people. Because there's no way I should be eating all that food. I can, but that's just being gluttonous at that time. And so I bought all this food. And I remember walking back with a, a colleague of mine. And he was like, hey, are you going to eat all that food? I was like, no, I'm going to give this away. He was like, what do you mean? So he saw me walking out and passing it out to the people that I would walk by. Women, men, all these people who are like in the winter time. They were sleeping on top of the grates above the train stations, the subways. Because that's where the heat would pop out whenever a train passed by. And I remember like when I was younger, having no money, like that sucked to have to do something like that. And so I figured a hot meal, a hot drink, something, it would help them. And he saw me passing them out. And then he ran back, used the rest of his per diem to buy the same things so that he could pass it out too. And to me, that was a moment where he, he actually looked at me and he was like, Tim, I never thought that's what you did because he knows how much I love to eat. And he's like, I never knew this is what you do all the, all every night that you're here. And after that moment, I hit that goal and I've been continuing it. And prior to that, the reason why I even came up with that goal was because I wanted to help younger architects get into the profession, especially if they were of color. So I've always been mentoring students before they got into architecture school and when they get in. And from that moment, I would guide them by showing them how architecture is done professionally, how it could be really fun, and teaching them how to use a software. I'm proud to say that all of the students I've mentored on a one-to-one -one basis have not only graduated, but they're actually doing very well in the profession. And I don't go out and say, oh, so-and-so is because of me. I just say, you are doing amazing things. And all you need to do is continue doing what you're doing. And that comes to the point from me where the biggest thing I'm learning from all these adventures that I, that I set out on is that I'm starting to see it's about being selfless. It's about removing yourself from the equation and doing it because you want to better a bigger cause. And for me, it's about giving back. That's one of the biggest causes that I want to do, especially in the design profession. Yeah, I think that that that's a, a really great point that actually will build into the, a little bit of the next mini lesson that we're going to talk about. But before we journey on to that topic, um, I want to talk a little bit about a, an adventure that I was on that I think changed and honestly helped me sort of develop the kind of mentoring side, just to build kind of off of what you were talking about, mentoring side of my personality as well. I remember distinctly kind of being in undergraduate studies at Syracuse University for my architecture degree and knowing that I wanted to teach at some point and whatever that meant, whatever that was going to look like. I, I wanted to teach other people or mentor people or somehow I wanted to be in that role right later in my life. And originally I thought that I had to go to, I don't know if we've talked about this too much, Tim, but originally my, my vision for myself was I was going to finish Syracuse undergrad and then I was going to go to like Harvard GSD, uh, graduate school of design for my master's. And then, you know, uh, become some sort of like super professor or something like that somewhere in the world. Right. And, uh, I ultimately ended up not getting my graduate degree and, 
when I moved back to Buffalo, I was working in the profession of architecture for a year or two. And then sort of like the, all these other journeys that uh, we've talked about so far, there's like this inciting moment, right? And my boss at the time, he presented me with this opportunity to become a member of the local American Institute of Architects board uh, of directors, which at the time I wasn't a licensed architect. I wasn't I wasn't really anybody in the field, right? I was just a person who had just graduated, had maybe like a year of experience before that. And um, he was essentially offering me to see seat at the table. And I took it and I knew that there was something about it that I had to spend. It's not something that I took lightly and it's not something that I think a lot of people are offered as an opportunity, especially as young as I was to be part of that that group of discussion. If you can imagine, I felt like I was sitting at the table with all of the people in the area who were like the leaders at all the other architecture firms in the city of Buffalo. So you had representation from uh, this firm and that firm, and they're like literally all of the big firms in, in Buffalo. So I took that as an opportunity to say, okay, well, what can I do? How can I use that sort of, you know, I'm not somebody who has the experience of all these other, you know, professionals. I don't even have my license yet, but is there a way that I can use this seat at the table for good to, to benefit somebody else? And the one thing that struck me was that there was an emerging professionals committee that kind of went the way of the dodo and somebody started it a couple of years prior and then gave it up and it had died for a year or two. And I asked the question, well, where'd it go? And somebody who had been on the board when that was started said, well, yeah, somebody just stopped and, and we just didn't keep it going. I was like, well, we should start that up again because that's a really important and valuable service to everybody like me who has no idea how to enter this profession <laughs> properly. So I learned a very valuable lesson then, which is that I didn't know a lot about the profession yet. I was still learning but I knew more than the person who just graduated. I knew per more than the person who was just starting school. And I felt like I could help somebody by restarting that committee and, and pushing forward and learning more about the profession myself. I could help other people sort of in that capacity. So that started this almost six year journey for me. Um, it was a little bit less than that because I, I passed the baton to somebody else in my sixth year, but I started this committee to help these emerging professionals and young architects pass exams. That's actually how we met Tim. And, you know, like these, these connections and these, these resources that I provided, it was not the way that I imagined that my mentoring or teaching or that experience was going to shake out, but it became this adventure for me that informed what evolving architect became and what my teaching style is now, how I've gone into doing either these kinds of podcasts or webinars or courses or books and all these other things. I wouldn't say that I couldn't have done this without that experience, but that adventure sort of pushed me forward and, you know, it trans that transformation from going from, okay, I'm going to start this committee to the end of the committee. I felt like I had, learned a lot that would then kind of push me into other areas of my life and in better ways than I could have if I hadn't done that experience. And I think I'm always searching for those kinds of 
adventures and, and things that will transform sort of my, my way of thinking or help me move along in my own journey. So um, I really resonate with what you said about sort of mentoring others and, and being of service to people, because I think that that's one way that I've found uh, to be the most successful way to transform kind of your mindset or to go on an adventure with where you feel fulfilled and you feel like you're, you're doing something that's helping somebody else that didn't necessarily ask for it, but as you know, that they're very appreciative of it and that you're doing something better for the world. When you can have that double duty of you're transforming, but you're also helping, it's just, it, it, it's really good. It's a really good feeling, which is probably why I keep doing it. Honestly. Um, I do want to move into sort of the next, the next topic though, the next mini lesson here, which I think is something that we can both relate to uh, maybe me a little bit more. Cause I'm just slightly <laughs> farther along on this path, but I think that for the fourth mini lesson, age will make you wiser and more reflective. Um, for me, the regrets become more profound. So I try to minimize those as much as I can. Um, the wins and losses matter less though. Like the individual moments matter less to me now than they did when I was first starting on my journey. And I think you'll find that as you, this kind of goes into the, uh, Carl Jungian, um, archetypes, the 12 personality sort of archetypes that you could have. Now we're mixing metaphors here a little bit. So just to clarify, Joseph Campbell came up with this idea of the hero's journey and has kind of elaborated on it in several of his books. Um, another one that we didn't talk about, but is you know, a really interesting read, and which is actually an interview series with him and someone else. It's called The Power of Myth. So I highly recommend that if you're interested in, in these topics. But uh, Carl Jung uh, was a psychologist or a psychiatrist who came up with this idea of the 12 personality types. And this sort of in parallel reflects the idea of this hero's journey, but they are definitely two different ideas and they don't necessarily directly correlate. But what I wanted to talk about was this idea of the hero who is, you know, in our context that we're talking about us, you know, we're in control of our own destiny. We're in control of our own journey. And there are other archetypes though, that Carl Jung talks about, whether it's the magician, the outlaw, the lover, the jester, the ruler, the artist, the sage, the explorer, all these different things mean different personality types. And, and we could, I don't want to get into that right now, but the idea is that there is in the hero's journey, usually a wise sage that kind of appears, right. And they appear for, um, to help with the, either the inciting incident to kind of kick off the journey or to help them along that journey and find their way. Right. And I find that in my life, as I move forward through my own adventures, and maybe it's because I have these tendencies towards mentoring people or uh, that I want to share my knowledge with other people and my lessons that I've learned, that I'm slowly stepping out of that hero archetype as I move forward through my life and more into this sage role. And I don't mean that I'm like Yoda or Gandalf or somebody who is like this, like be all end all character in one of those fantasy or sci-fi stories. But I just mean that 
I take on personality traits like that of the the person who wants to help, the person who wants to mentor, the person who wants to take somebody through their own journey. And Tim, when I think back on who I've become through the adventures that I've had, I think of how can I pass on those lessons to others? When the role switches from hero to sage, do you think it's possible for someone to help others like that and maintain their own path, like to also simultaneously um, propel themselves forward as their own hero? I think so. For me, I'll keep this one short, but the one thing I'm learning as I'm getting older and transitioning from that hero to sage mentality is that I used to try and give people advice or ask them questions that would guide them towards not making a mistake. These days, as I'm getting older, I tell them to keep going, even knowing that they're going to make a mistake, as long as the mistake is not going to be detrimental. If the mistake is something I've done before and it's what helped me grow, I don't guide people away from it anymore because there's so much value in failure and people are so afraid of it that now if you're trying something and there's a risk of failure and that risk won't lead to you losing your home, losing your relationship, losing it all, then I let people do it, but I guide them through it and I'm there when they fall. Because for me, I, when I was in that hero mentality in some areas of my life, I was just so fond of telling people and asking people questions that would bring them to a point where they would avoid doing the thing. And that was a bigger loss to them than if they had done it. So now with the sage mentality, I let people make mistakes and I let people fall and fail. Yeah, and I think that's, that's uh, an important uh, thing to sort of carry on. It's like uh, you, you need to let people sort of understand their own journey. Like I, th- I think of the way that um, uh, Christo teaches, uh, Christo from the future, who we both are familiar with and people should check out his work. But he uses the Socratic method where he asks uh essentially he just just keeps asking questions to sort of reveal almost to the person who is trying to understand an idea on their own. Like if you just keep asking questions that are not just any questions, but questions that are poignant or salient to an idea that Chris might be trying to coax out of that person, it kind of reveals something for themselves. And I think that's, that's an important sort of, uh, it's an interesting method because it it keeps you from revealing too much. Like if I, I, I think of when there are people in my office, right, who are coming out. Like there's this there's this girl who started to work with me just recently, and we were talking about her a little bit before the podcast, uh, Tim, just about how she's you know new and she's starting this this uh, this job and. I think of how, like, I wouldn't just like sit down with her and be like, look, you need to do this, 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 and this, you know, I can't just like rattle off my 13 years of experience to her and be like, Hey, this is how you have to live your life. That's not, that's not helpful. But by being there as sort of like a, somebody to listen, to ask those questions, like a Chris Dome might to get somebody else to learn, you know, their own, their own path, I think is really powerful. And I think of it also going back to sort of what I was asking before, 
I still see myself as the hero of my own journey. I think that the thing that's interesting is in relation to other people, we can be different archetypes on their journey. So uh, take go back to the Star Wars analogy at the beginning. The old sage is Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars, and he helps Luke Skywalker realize his own potential. But he is the hero in his own story. He is still on his own journey, his own adventure, his own path. It might differ wildly from Luke Skywalker's, but he is still the hero of his own journey. I think that's always important, at least for me, to relate to the um, this idea of we are in control, we make the choices, we are the ones in in the who carve our own path. So I want to move on to this last uh, this last lesson, which I think is. It's a, it's a, I think it's a good way to end this a little bit, and it's going to be a little bit of a different format than what we've talked about here uh, before in previous episodes, Tim, because there is a speech that really resonated with me a couple of years back. And uh, before I get into it, the mini lesson here is the person I chase. It's me in ten years, and for context, there I watch a lot of movies, as you can probably tell. Uh, faithful audience here. (laughs) I am enamored by the process of making movies and the stories that they tell. And that might be why I gravitate towards this hero's journey idea in the first place. But there is every now and then there are people who uh, at like the Academy Awards will make a speech that really resonates with me. I watch the Oscars every year and I try to understand the philosophies behind the artists and why they make decisions. And usually they're uh, very gracious, but they sometimes have these rarely uh, important gems of um, sort of lessons that they can pass on to other people. And they know that I think in a lot of cases, they know that they have a platform where millions of people are watching and listening There's this one speech that resonated with me a lot that I think is a good place to kind of close up this discussion. And I wanted to, the reason why I said this this is different is because I actually want to read sort of an excerpt from the speech because I think it's that important. So in 2014, Matthew McConaughey uh, won the uh, Best Actor Award for his role in the Dallas Buyers Club, which was a movie in 2013. And he started his speech. Normally everybody will just thank uh, their producers and and thank uh, everybody in the world who ever had anything to do with the, um, the production of the movie itself that they're winning the award for. But Matthew did something a little bit different. And I quote, he says, there are three things that I need each day. One, I need something to look up to another to look forward to, and another is someone to chase. First off, I want to thank God because that's who I look up to. My family is what I look forward to, and to my hero, that's who I chase. When I was 15 years old, I had a very important person in my life come and ask me, who's your hero? I said, I thought about it, and it's me in 10 years. So I turned 25 10 years later, and the same person comes to me and goes, are you a hero? I said, not even close. She said, why? And I said, my hero is me at 35. You see, every day and every week and every month and every year of my life, my hero is always 10 years away. I'm never going to be my hero. I'm not going to obtain that and that's fine with me because it keeps me with somebody to chase 
or keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. So to any of us, whatever those things are and whatever it is we look up to, whatever it is we look forward to, and whoever it is we're chasing, to that I say amen, to that I say all right, all right, all right, and just keep living, huh? So Tim, when I look to the future and I think of what future Mike will think of the decisions I'm making now, I make little decisions throughout my day that I believe will make him better than I am now, happier than I am now, more fulfilled than I am now. I don't live in the future, but I make deliberate decisions in the now as the hero of my story to improve my future self's chances of success. How do you think about the future and do you make choices based on the past, present, future, all the above or in a different way? I try and have a pretty clear vision of the future. And by that, I don't mean I know all the details of where I want to be. I just know that all the things I'm doing today are working towards something and I need to know what that something is. I don't have a vision board. I don't have any of that. All I know is that in the future, I do want to own a firm or a business. I do want to find success in content creation. And I'd like to have a voice and a seat at the table where I can start to elevate the underheard, underrepresented voices and start to facilitate those discussions. And so when I have that in mind, I think about how I can get there. And I actually focus a lot on my present and whether those choices, like you were saying, Mike, focus on getting toward that bigger vision. It's not like I can always sit there every day and say, Tim, that decision didn't really align with that future, right? Like for me, there are going to be moments where you can't always align with what you're trying to do. But the more you can align and the more you can practice towards getting there, I feel that you do it by being present today. A lot of us think too much about our past and get stuck there. A lot of us think too far ahead in the future, like I used to do, and I get stuck there. The more you can focus on the present, the more you can control the things that can get you to the point that you want to be at. The surprising thing that I'm finding is that if you have this somewhat clear vision of where you're trying to go and you get as present as you could to focus on building yourself to get there, you get there in a fraction of the time than you originally anticipated. Yeah, I love that. And I think that that's uh, that's a great place to sort of end this on. Um, one thing I, I would like to just sort of share with people if they uh, missed them earlier on and if they want to kind of do a little bit more investigation into sort of the topics that we're talking about here, um, I just want to kind of list off some of these resources that I mentioned before. And if you're interested in this idea of the hero's story, I think the two books that are very uh, powerful for different reasons are The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, where he kind of dissects and, and goes over all these different stories through mythology. Uh, to understand the hero story. But I think the other book that would be very helpful for people, uh, which is actually a fascinating interview series uh, told into or poured into book form is The Power of Myth. And the one thing I would challenge people to do is if you're interested in this topic and you're hearing what Tim and I are talking about and you're thinking about this hero's journey and, and trying to understand how it can apply to your own life and you're really interested in this topic, I would say watch a movie like Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope and watch it 
not just to watch it, but watch it through the lens of the hero's story and really try to understand how does Luke Skywalker go from A to Z and where does he end up at the end of his journey? I think that by dissecting and kind of trying to understand these stories or, you know, you could do it by reading The Lord of the Rings or you could do it by watching or reading other types of media and then understanding how you can take those lessons and apply them to your own life, I think is a very powerful way to sort of understand the hero's journey for yourself. So appreciate the conversation, Tim. Um, Next time, tune into Tim's lesson. Uh, Never ask for permission, ask for guidance. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Unpacking Design. Check us out anytime at unpackingdesign.com. And you can also find us on iTunes and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Please remember to leave a review and share this podcast with someone you know. Mm -hmm.